well. You could say Genesis Revelation, you know. Uh, Genesis chapter, come with me to Genesis chapter 1. And um, from verse number 26, yeah. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26. I was so excited last night that um, as I was, in fact, in the day I went to some event with some of the boys. You know, I can't say men because, you know, what they were doing, they were behaving like boys, you know. But um, uh, I sat there on my iPad and, you know, and uh, I forgot to charge my iPad. And um, do pray for my iPad that it will listen and not disobey this morning, okay? Uh, Genesis chapter 1. I want to entitle this, this part of the series. The series that we are running with is called The Silence of Adam. Okay? And um, I want to say, is Adam not trying to not be silent here? Okay? The Silence of Adam. All right. He's getting very excited here. Can you just calm him down there, please, uh, Dolores? Pastor Dolores, can you just calm him down? Yes? Calm him down. He's, he's so excited, you know, when he comes to church because they keep him away from people. The whole week he gets kicked away from people. And then on Sunday he's among people and he loves people. He's like his grandpa, you know. Am I right, grandpa? He loves people. <laughs> yes. Okay. Genesis 1 verse 26 and then we'll take it into verse 27. Then God said, let us make man in our image, according to our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every uh, creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God. I want you to catch that. He created him male and female. He created them, okay? Now, um, I wonder if you can come to Genesis chapter 2 and um, uh, verse 14, I think it is. Is it 14 or is it 11? Genesis chapter 2. Okay, the name. Okay, then there's the four streams. All right. The name of the river. Here it is. Verse 15. Okay. The Lord God took the man and placed him in the garden of Eden to work it and to water over it. I want you to catch that. All right? So Eden 
um, I looked at the English translation, doesn't really give an accurate of the true meaning from the English uh, uh, dictionary. It doesn't give the true meaning of what Eden means. And um, I am doing a series, I'm doing a series and I'm uh, drawing from resources like, um, uh, what's his name, Miles Monroe and uh, Dr. Craig and uh, other sources because I'm not the master on this topic of fatherhood and men per se. So I'm extracting, and you, will, you may hear quotes from some of the books of these people, you know, um, that they talk about. And Miles Monroe uh, teaches us, well, he's gone to be with the Lord, but he's still teaching us today, even though he's dead, you know, yet he's still speaking to us today. And um, he teaches us that, the God, that Eden, the word Eden has five strokes in the Hebrew. When you uh, write out the name Eden, it has five strokes. And so for every stroke, he gives an explanation about Eden. So man was put, what he calls Eden, is a spot. Okay? Say I were to stand on, on this place here. Eden is a spot. Now, I know that in our time and in the history that we know of, um, nobody seems to be able to find Eden. And Miles Monroe helps us to understand that Eden is a spot. So that spot does not necessarily be in a particular location only. But wherever the presence of God is, is where that spot is. In other words, he's saying that Eden is, it means presence, the presence of God. It's a spot where Adam came into the presence of God. It's a delightful spot. Eden is a place where, uh, you know, he encountered the favor of God. And so wherever that spot is, is an open door. Eden means open door. So wherever that spot is, is where the open door is. So whether you are at your place of work, or whether you are at your home, or whether you are at your church, or whether you are at the sport field, when you have an open door over you, what Miles Monroe is saying, that is where Eden is. Wherever the presence of God is, that's where the favor of God is. That's where your heaven is. That's, well, not heaven per se as we understand the third heaven. But that's where you experience the presence of God. And where you experience the presence of God, with His presence, are all the good things that Adam enjoyed in the Garden of Eden. So there's a spiritual, please, you need to see this thing in a spiritual eye here to understand and to grasp that God, first of all, when He raised Adam, He raised him up in that spot. He raised him up in that, what He calls, that delightful spot. 
Now, I'm not talking about the dot now, okay? I'm to- when I'm talking about the spot, it's the place where God took Adam out of the dust of the earth and he formed man as we, we read it here. And so we need to understand something that God illustrates to Adam that Adam, while you are in the Garden of Eden, I want you to work. So I want to say this morning to, uh, to everybody here this morning, because actually, uh, if you want to argue it, we all are actually men. You think about it. You come from Adam. Eve came from Adam. Adam didn't come from Eve. Eve came from Adam. And that's what father is. The word father. Let me just check in my notes here. The word father is the word Abba. The word Abba means source. Father is a source. Father is a sustainer. Father in the Greek is the word pater. It means nourisher. It means supporter. It means foundation. Now, we've been taught in our society, I've been taught at least in, the, in, in our society, that the male is the head. And I've been, I've been growing up in that environment with that in mind that the, the, the male is on top. But if I understand correctly from the scripture, then the male does not belong on top. But the male belongs at the bottom. If a father has, you know, his wife and he has children, he must be a supporter He must be the foundation. He must be a nourisher. He must be, uh, uh, you know, as as, uh, the word father, he must be a, a source. He must be a supporter. And you can't be a supporter from the top. You must be a supporter from the bottom. So you, the, the purpose and the work and the function of the father is that he is always lifting up his family. He's educating his family. He's feeding his family. He's providing for his family. He's guiding his family. He's constantly supporting the family. That is the true function of a father. A father is not one that dominates, that dictates. But a father is one that, you know, he's the foundation. He becomes the the, the bottom of the family. So the family rests on the father. Hello, somebody. The reason why our society is in the state that it is, because we have misplaced priorities. We have, we have changed the roles of the function of the father. 
And now today you are sitting with mothers who are trying to act like fathers. But if the father, and this is the reason why, because fathers don't know their true identity. If you want to know your true identity, then you must go back to the original. You must go back to the original because there you will discover what is your true purpose in life. If you do not know your purpose, the Bible says, then a stillborn baby is better than that person. So it is imperative and it is important and it is, listen, uh, it, is, it should be the priority of every man. When I counsel couples before I marry them, I teach them, you must first get into the presence of God. So your partner can meet you in the presence of God. Not in the presence of the bush. Not in the presence of the club. She must find him in the presence of God. Why is that so necessary? Because in the presence of God is where he's going to discover his reason for existence. If he does not know his reason for existence... He's going to operate in abuse. When purpose is not known, Miles Monroe says, then abuse is inevitable. The reason why certain fathers are abusing their families is because they do not know what their true purpose is in life. They may be wealthy. They may be educated. They may have achieved some things in life. But that does not say that that man knows what his purpose is in life. So I'm trying to bring you to the original. That the purpose of the man is to be the foundation of the family. The purpose of the man is to be the nourisher of the family. Is to be the sustainer of the family. Where did, where did Eve find Adam? She found him in the presence of God. Doing what? He was working. He had to work the ground. So the purpose of a father is to work. Now, I'm not talking about an employer-employee relationship only. I'm talking about within himself. He has all that it takes in order for him to be a worker. That means he learns to be productive. He learns in whatever duties and things that he does to provide the adequate support for the family. He's going to do it. He's going to get into it. Whatever it's going to take. Are we together this morning? Now, Turn with me to Psalms 11 verse 3. Psalm 11 verse 3. Okay. And then uh, while you're at it, Psalm, uh, you know, the, the multimedia team, I want to ask you to get Psalm 82 verse 5 also. So let's read Psalm 11 verse 3. Okay. 
I think I need to stand on this side because my on my left hand side sometimes I'm yeah this is better. All right. Okay. Let's read together. One, two, three. So there are foundations. Now there's something about foundations. Okay. Um, uh, Brother Arthur will know. When there's a crack in the wall, uh, the inspector will not condemn that house. Yeah? Right? When there's a crack in the wall, the, the building inspector will, he won't say, no, throw the house down. No. When there's a crack in the window, he will not condemn that building. Yeah? Right, Craig? He won't condemn when there's a crack in the door, he won't condemn that. But the minute there's a crack in the foundation, yeah, that means that house will be condemned. That's really what, what that scripture is saying to us. So, foundations are critically important. How many of you remember um, T.B. Joshua? You remember T.B. Joshua on the TV? Yeah? T.B. Joshua, because of the demands of the ministry, just kept on building. And he kept on building because more people were coming in from all, of, all parts of the world, and he had, it, he had to accommodate them. So he kept on building without consulting the foundation. And so he kept on building, and when he kept on building... The foundation didn't warn him. Yeah? The entire, uh, I think it's a six-story building, it just collapsed. And hundreds of people died as a result of that. And that case is still, apparently they haven't uh, resolved that matter. They're still investigating. And they discovered the reason why, because there were cracks in the foundation, and yet they were still building. So, the foundation is pivotal to any building, to any family. If you build your family without a foundation, it won't be long. Your family is going to fall apart. Does that make sense to you? Yeah? Okay. Does it make sense? Right? It will affect the home. And you may have good wishes for your family. You may have wonderful plans for your children. But if your home is not built on a proper foundation, all right? Like the building, the building inspector, when he sees there's a big crack in your house, he is going to demand that you get out of that house and condemn that building because the foundations are being broken. And the scripture is saying, if the foundations are being broken, the family will not survive. Let's go to Psalm 82. Yeah. Let's read it together. One, two, three. All right. So he's, God is talking to the nations. And he's saying, they know nothing. Okay? He's saying that they don't understand. 
the importance of the foundations. And the foundations are being shaken. And when the foundations are being shaken, whatever has been built by the nation is going to collapse. And I think that South Africa, we are moving fastly towards that. Because we have ignored the foundations of what we have learned from our parents. And we've been told by, our, by some of the educators. We've been told that's nonsense, that's old stuff. We've been told that, you know, we don't believe. That's why you hear some of the young people. They are not interested in some of the things. But the problem is, they keep on building and it looks attractive to the naked eye. But it only takes a bit of time when that building will be destroyed. And we are busy destroying our nation because we didn't get the foundation right in the home and in the family. Men are now behaving like women. Women are now behaving like men. But I want to say to the men, if you don't have a woman, a womb, woman, womb, if you don't have a womb, you can't be a woman. You can dress and act and build, but if you don't have a womb, yeah, you can't be a woman. Oh, come on, women, help me. Yeah, man. Goodness me. The problem is, you know, we don't respond like God responds. God spoke to the earth. God spoke into the chaos. And God brought out order. Hello, somebody. This is the way God acts. He looks into the darkness and he brings out the light. You see, God is not intimidated by the chaos. And last week we said to the men and to some of the, the, the ladies also, we said to them, you know, that sometimes men don't understand what's happening to them. And they turn, you know, the order, they turn it into chaos. But God never designed a man to turn order into chaos. That's why Adam was put into order and he had to maintain that order in the Garden of Eden. Yes? He had to maintain, he had to work it. The Bible says that Adam told the ground. He had to, he had to, you know, the duty and the responsibility. He had to sustain the garden. He had to uphold the garden. He had to be the foundation of the garden. And so many men don't know their true identity because they've grown up in a society who did not know the purpose of a man. I'm saying, go back to the original and start the way it was intended in the original and see if the Lord won't bless you. So... God does not respond that way. 
He does not retreat from chaos. When chaos hits the home of a man, he retreats. You know? He doesn't want to deal with the issues at hand. He doesn't want to, you know, uh, bring order in the matter. No. Instead, he sends his wife to sort out the chaos. And he retrieves. And this becomes a practice in, every fa- in most families. This becomes a common practice. What men do. Why? Because society are teaching our men that when chaos hits your family, to retrieve. Yeah? Adam was physically present, but emotionally absent. Let me say that again. Adam was physically present, but emotionally he was not there. It's like when you, when you go to a function, you know, um, forgive me for saying this, you, many of you don't know uh, everybody, but uh, I, I'm going to pick William as an example. He's a maths and science teacher, and so when there's certain meetings, uh, he's asked to go to certain meetings, and he doesn't really want to go, because to him it's monotonous. You know, it's not, it's not his thing. You know, it's his time. It's his leisure time. So he goes. In other words, he goes, um, he, he, you know, he goes physically, but his emotion is with, with, with Sister Jocelyn. So even though he's in that room with other people, his heart is not in that room. That's what I mean when I say that Adam was physically there, but emotionally he was absent. Are we together this morning? Yeah? So, you know, you can just say, Honey, are you still here? Are you here? (laughs) Adam was passive. Before he ate the forbidden fruit. So he should have been productive. He should have been active. But instead he was on a chill. And he wasn't well guarded. Because that's what God told him. God spoke to him and gave him the word. And he should have told Eve and taught her the word of God. But instead... In his passivity. You know what? He ate the forbidden fruit. God's creation brought creation out of chaos. So God created out of chaos. There was chaos. The earth was empty. And it was void. And it was in darkness. Genesis chapter 1 verse 2. But yet God, out of that chaos, God brought order and He created the birds in the air and the, you know, the livestock and the creatures that crawl and the fish that swim in the sea. God created all of that. So I want to ask you this morning, 
What is real manhood? How are men and women meant to relate to one another? Because that seems to be a problem. Men are wired this way in Mars, and women are wired this way in Venus. And so we, we, we never really live a life of absolute intimacy the way it ought to be. Because we are competing with one another and not completing one another. How are men and women meant to relate to one another? How can men be effective husbands and effective fathers? Contemporary concept of uh, makesness are often, these are big words, eh? Ambiguous. The word ambiguous means open to more than one interpretation. So, uh, as men, we seem to have different viewpoints about ourselves, what a man should look like. We have different arguments that we have about well, how a man should function in his home. But the key thing is, if you are going to live your life and conduct your life that way, there's always going to be confusion between the two, male and female. But when you understand what your role is as a male, as a father, as a husband, then you're going to know what is expected of you in your life that you live and the family that you build. For example, women, they love affection. Help me, ladies. You guys are really... You're, do you guys like affection? Yeah? Or, or don't you like affection anymore? Yeah? You want affection, right? Because affection gives you not what you want, but what you need. Affection is the oxygen to breathe as a woman. If you give a woman affection more than giving her jewels and watches and cell phones, and cars, and clothes. Is that going to make her feel affectionate? Or is that going to make her feel spoiled? Spoiled, right? But what the woman needs is the affection. I see you thirsty, my wife. That's affection. Yes, care, affection. That's affection. You know what? You know what, Angel? I, I saw you look in the shop. You know, that, that one dress, I, I, you know, and I watched you from a distance, and I decided to buy you that dress. That's affection. For a man, that is spoiled. But for a woman, it is affection. It's not the dress, but it's the thought. It's the thought that, she, that, that the man had 
that makes her feel affectionate. When you, I, I still need to learn this, eh? When you wake up in the morning, Josephine, there are many beautiful women in the world. But you, you ouch. No, I was not sleeping now. So I'm waking up. Yeah. So I tell her, you are the best thing, the best woman that I could have had. That's affection. Yeah? You go and you drive down the road and you know when it's mango time. I know. When it's mango time, those big babies, Josephine loves them. I stop the car and I go and buy her that big mango and I bring it to her. And she knows that I know that she likes it. But it's the thought the thought that I had that I remembered her. You see, I am a sustainer. Yes, I am a source. Yeah, I'm a foundation. I'm at the bottom. I, I want to say something, and uh, Pastor Robbie, you might disagree with me. You know, but silence is not golden. We were taught in the world that silence is golden. Sorry, uh, William, I, if you are guys are teaching that, you know, silence is not, is not golden. Silence is dangerous. And the worst thing a man can do to a woman is silence. Yeah? I mean, some of us, you know, Robbie, you used to tell me, you know what, you know what, Pastor? I know what I'm going to do with Dolores. I'm just going to mute. <laughs> and now Dolores is being tormented. She's strained. She's feeling unworthy. Why does this man not talk to me? You see, the problem is there's no intimacy. Because Robbie don't understand what his role is. He's a sustainer. Yes? That's what father means. Pater. Yes? He's a source. He's not only a provider. But he, you know, so now not only does Robbie give her the attention, the affection, but he also gives her the attention. Okay, it's everyone on my attention here. Is that what the women want? Help me, ladies. Help me. Huh? Is that what you like? How is it a fun Lillian as Arnie Sue? The eigen of your attention. Say, what's the attention here? No? Yeah? Yes. I must be careful here, man. Some would like to dismiss males as hopelessly aggressive and domineering with a nature in need of, you know, uh, he needs an overall. 
he doesn't understand. That's why some men, I don't understand men. Yarek try alles. Ekupa bloma. You know, but I don't understand. I say go back to the original and find out what was God's original plan for the male. Then you stay in your zone. Don't try to act like the woman. Hello? Tell me, if the whole, this whole room was filled with people, males like me, wouldn't it be boring? Yeah? But variety, God adds variety, is the spice of life. So God gives you a partner that doesn't look like you, but will become like you by your influence. Yeah? The Bible says the wife reflects the glory of the, of the husband. And the husband reflects the glory of, of God. Are you hearing me this morning, folks? Over all these issues, reflect a crisis of identity. What does it mean to be a male? Speaking, I want to say to all the men here this morning, speaking is the gateway to relationships. I'm going to say that again. There isn't another way. If you want to have a relationship with your partner, there just isn't another way. This is the way God's original plan that you must converse. You must communicate. That's what you man about liquor, lach for the phony jokes, but mensen vertel by die week. Jy lach jou, a soe flow joke, maar jy so. Nou vertel jou vrou vir jou a gevaarlike joke. Hello, Nicholas. Come. You came for prayer. Oh, 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 okay. There you go, Nicholas. Now look at them. Now you can laugh at them, eh? <laughs> All right? <laughs> He's trying to show us that speaking is the gateway, you know, to a relationship. Silence is not gold. It's not golden. It is deadly. When you go silent, you are not helping the relationship between you and your spouse when you go silent. I said, if you can hear me in there, you are not helping the relationship when you go silent. That means chaos has hit your home. So now you have to behave like a sustainer, you have to behave like a foundation. You have to behave like a true father. Let me, just, let me just show you something. You know, that's why when I've married a lot of people, and always when married people come, you know, uh, to be married, the father 
is hooking them in. And the, the husband-to-be is waiting on the bride. Just watch this. So now the father brings to, to a point and the groom comes and he collects the bride and he takes the bride with her. Why is that? Why the father? Have you thought about that? Why must the father? I'm just saying now that traditionally, so there's a reason why it was the father, but that in certain cases have changed. And that's because people don't know what is the original intent of that. But the father, you know, hands over the daughter, you know, to a new father. And so he comes and he receives his bride. And now she comes with him. And she goes to the altar. And she goes and gets married. Are you hearing me? Yes. She comes and gets married. Now they are married. Now he calls her my baby. <laughs> and what does she call him? Daddy. <laughs> yeah. She calls him, she calls me daddy. Yeah. The wife calls, isn't that heaven? Wives calling the, the, the husbands daddy. Haven't you heard husbands calling their wives? Like you do it a lot in your sleep actually. <laughs> Baby. <laughs> hey. Say, kijk van nou van niet aan je niet klaar, bos gelos. Huh? They say for my enemy, baby. Huh? You know why? Because you have taken over the responsibility of the father. So you become a father to your bride. That's why you are the sustainer. You are the foundation. You are building up the family. The family. In other words, you reach a stage in your life you don't have to, you don't worry anymore about name brands. You've grown past boyhood into manhood. And you want to ensure that your child and your, your spouse, you know, has the best. It doesn't matter that you, you might wear a pep store shirt, you know. Before you used to like Pringle, you know. You only wear Pringle. But now that you are the sustainer, no. Your son must first wear this new shirt. Are we together this morning? Okay. All right. So, if he calls you, baby, don't be upset. If she calls you, daddy, don't be a fool and say, I can see your honey. God requires that you fulfill the obligations and the functions of that of a father. And you know, uh, Tracy said it so beautifully when she illustrated about her dad. The father must not feel or make the child or the family feel unsafe because he's the sustainer of the family. He's the provider of the family. He's the carer of the family. So the child must never feel threatened. 
because of the father. The father must love their child. Train up the child in the way they should go. Put the child on the lap and train the child in the way he should go. And look at what she said. He didn't even scold at her, but she would weep because she didn't want to disappoint her daddy because her daddy spoiled her rotten. Her daddy made her feel special. And that's what God, that's a typical example of how fathers ought to make their, in other words, their, the family, you know, Tracy said that she was preaching my sermon. You know, the father makes the family confident and competent. The father's role is to elevate his family and to make them feel that they can achieve Whatever they put their minds to. Not break down the child. Not say, you know, can Janice is your brew, is You're not the brightest, you know, pencil in the, in the you know. <laughs> we do that to our children. We are supposed to find out the temperament of the child and elevate the child through that temperament, not try to make this one look like that one. Yeah? Nogi. Praise the Lord. Are we still together? Can we go home now? I, I think I gave you enough now, you know? I just want you to chew on that and, you know, grow on it. I think, Justin, did we record? Okay. The, the, the message has been recorded. And uh, try to get the copy and maybe bless somebody with it and encourage somebody with it. You know, some male that's having a difficult time understanding his place and purpose in life. It will, I know it will help them. Father, we thank you this morning that your word is active and alive. And we pray that the living word of God would be present in every person's life here today. We ask that through the Holy Spirit that you will help men to rise in this day. So many of us as men have been confused by the examples that has been set to us. Politicians, psychologists, not all of them, Lord, but many of them have confused the nation. And they are leading us into oblivion. But I pray this morning, Lord God, that your word, O oh God, will not return unto you void. That you will digest this word into the very hearts of your sons and daughters. Lord, I pray that even the young men, that they may have grasped some of the valuable principles that help us and find their place in the presence of God. And in that place, they will hear the purpose and destiny of what God has given them. And when they leave there, they will walk with the dominion that God has clothed them with to be powerful in the earth. 
And so right now I pray that the Holy Spirit will bring healing to some of us that have been taught wrong, that have by our society, by all kinds of influences that have misled us and helped us to break down the foundations. Help us to build new foundations, Lord. To build new families, Lord. To build and esteem our children in you, my Father. I pray this morning that you will release that special grace that comes from God. And so, Father, we thank you now in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Let's stand and receive the benediction of the Lord.